and welcome back. We're here with Nick Myers for episode 14. And yeah, Nick's a super accomplished strongman, pirate aficionado. Overall, just a great guy all around. I remember seeing him years ago on YouTube doing like backflips with Juji Mufu and <laughs> Brian Alice ruined them. <laughs> yeah. Those were good times. Yeah. So he's great. He's getting ready, to, I think, helping to promote the Chaos Classic, competing yep. as the 190 kg class. I ordered a shirt from Battle X Barbell, so I'll have your name there. Mom, it was hard to decide. And then I was like, you took us up on the interview. So I was like, <laughs> I'll go with you. I'll go with Myers. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having welcome, me. Welcome, Nick. Yeah. How have you been doing? I've been good, man. Uh, recently moved back to the East Coast from Arizona. Um, I loved it out West. Um, just got some irons in the fire. Things are cooking. Uh, bring back here to stabilize a little bit um, to uh, to get those things up and running. Um, I may may not have made my own pirate flag, um, so there there's some there's some things coming, uh, and I'm pretty excited about. Just gotta get all the rest of the ducks in the row, and then we'll turn and burn. So awesome, that's real good. Well, well, it's great having you, Nick. Um, as we talked at the beginning or before we started recording, we like to play a little game called Trash or Treasure, <laughs> uh, which I think, you know, uh, the treasure part at least works well with the yeah, uh, the, it... the pirate uh, persona. So yeah. <laughs> we're going to do, but we're going to do a little bit different. We were doing supplements, um, but today I'm going to, we're going to do uh, a couple of different categories, gym equipment, food, and exercise kind of in that order um uh, i've got i got 10 questions so i'll just say uh say uh, um piece of equipment food or exercise pass it right to you nick first the vote trash for treasure we'll go around vote and then come back and discuss um kind of our reasoning so the first one piece of gym equipment is the leg press nick trash or treasure trash John, <laughs> as far as the machine goes, trash. <laughs> okay, I think we all agree. Leg press is kind of trash. Nick, what are your thoughts? Why? Why trash? Um, I just think there's so many more options that uh, can can do way better. Um, belt squat and actual squats, literally, literally any other squat variation. Um, and the way, like, a lot of people do leg press wrong, they, they go too deep, and it actually rolls up their lumbar spine up off the pad, and you're, you're then not just loading your legs. You're, you're really curving that lumbar spine in a, in a bad position um, that could compromise to some sort of injury or, or tweak or something. So uh, I see most people do that more than not, so that's why I say trash. Yeah, agree with that. John? Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I think there are plenty of other things you could do just because it is, yeah. Like, I feel like either you have one end of the spectrum where you're doing these, like, eighth squats, quarter squats kind of things, or you're going too deep and you're just rolling up like a little cinnamon roll. Yeah. At which point it's like, either way, I feel like, I like the ones that could turn into a hack squat machine because I like the hack squat more. So yeah, 
It's like that Titan one. I'll I'll give a little bit of credit to the Titan one, but no yeah. normal leg press. It's in. It takes up a huge amount of space as a gym owner too. Like <laughs> so much space. Yeah. So much space. That's like that's the worst aspect of it, in my opinion. Um, but it's funny, you know. A lot of people say that leg press takes your uh, posterior chain out, but you make a point, Nick. Is I mean, it, it causes a massive butt wink, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's about what it does if you go too deep, which is uh, you know, kind of the opposite of what you want to have. But yeah, it's an inferior movement. Why why bother when you can when you can squat or even hip uh, belt squat? Um, so everybody agrees, trash, leg press out. Um, next one, reverse hyper. Nick. Tre treasure all day long, an absolute fucking treasure. Nice. John. Yeah, a hundred percent a treasure. I usually say pocket treasures. This one's a full size treasure chest. Like it's definitely good. I you know, I'm a little on on the fence on on this with the reverse hyper. <laughs> Um, I, I gotta go with trash, and I know I'm gonna get a lot of flack from that, especially from from my coach if you listen to this. Um, and I'll and I'll explain later, Nick. Why why do you think it's uh, it's such treasure? Um, a someone who has terrible mobility. Um, it, at the end, it, it's a great warm up tool. It's a great cool down tool. It's a great burnout tool. Depending on how you use it, you can really overload it and get a swing to to overload that extension and, and really get the, the lower back and the glutes uh, really contracting on heavier weight without, you know, having to do a deadlift and things like that. Um, or you can do it really slow under really light weight. And uh, like if you're working back from an injury um, to really get a full range of motion with low risk, a low risk movement and really get a lot of work done within that range of motion. So um, man, it's just so versatile with the, the movement itself on on what you can do with it, I I love that thing. Cool, John. Yeah, I mean, I everything Nick said, and also it's just I find it's great to like finish any kind of workout of just that stretch and everything. Like, I it just feels great overall to use, and I feel like overall it's just like a really helpful tool to have around. I will say some of them do take up too much space, but the uh, west side, the little rogue hyperscout that folds into a wall, that like solves any problems you'd have. So I would overall say that it's a treasure and this lighting is how that makes me feel that you said it's a trash. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm a further on because I've used a reverse hyper for leg extensions, leg curls, um, and then the ones that have the... Uh, the glute hammerase attachment on the back, like the big rogue one, you can mm -hmm. then do back raises and load the pendulum and hold on right. to it and do back raises. So, yeah. I'm so, so I've, I've also, I mean, um, so I actually use a reverse hyper pretty frequently, but, and I, and I've done leg extensions. Um, we were just actually doing some really crazy, uh, I don't know, you know, coach called them pulsers, but they were more like a, a seated good morning with a band on the uh, on the machine on the pendulum. But one of the reasons I I don't think that it's in every single gym, I would say ninety nine percent of the time it doesn't get used, and it's just a table for trash. <laughs> and and 
Um, it doesn't mean that it's not useful, but it hardly ever gets used because there's so many other um, movements you can do the mimic. And I mean, you have a GHR, I mean, you still do back extensions, right? Uh, which targets the same exact uh, muscle groups. I mean, good mornings, RDLs. Um, there's a lot of different things you can do in the space that it takes up. So, I mean, if it was me personally, I wouldn't waste my money on it. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's not a completely useless tool. It just gets used very, very infrequently, except for uh, a workbench or a <laughs> or just like trash table. Get better, <laughs> get better gym members. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean that that that's true. I mean, where I'm at now, it still gets used like maybe ten percent of the time, but ninety percent of the time, it's still covered in trash. <laughs> And this is a, this is the only gym that I've seen it used as much as it gets used. It gets used quite a bit, um, but yeah, I mean. So I think uh, you know, two to one, treasure. I'll give it to you guys. <laughs> I'm just biased. <laughs> uh, number three, shake weight, Nick. <laughs> treasure. Treasure. <laughs> it's provocative. It's provocative. It shapes and tones. <laughs> it sounds cool. And you can throw it at people. Yeah, it's a weapon. Underrated low-key treasure. Underrated low-key treasure, John. <laughs> yeah, the low-key treasure part's pretty good. Because I, I just can't believe that it got invented. Like, whoever thought of that is just like, the fact that you got people to spend money on that. And just like, Terrible. the whole movie. <laughs> like, the South Park episode about it was so good. Like, overall. <laughs> and they brought a South Park <laughs> episode about a reverse hyper. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, it's, it's up there. <laughs> It's like it's like a miniature kind of like secret pocket treasure, like a candy bar you forgot. One of those mini ones. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm with you guys. Uh, that's that's hard to argue. <laughs> Pure genius. <laughs> and I mean, and I mean, there's been so many memes and jokes as a result. I mean, it is invaluable. <laughs> what would we have done as a as a society without the shake weight? <laughs> Name another fitness fad implement that was on South Park. I can't. <laughs> it's, it's I mean, it's earned its word just there, right? It's a national treasure because of that alone. It's a national treasure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is unanimous. All right. Food. Um, liver. Nick. I mean... <laughs> I haven't eaten enough liver to even have an opinion, I feel like. Um, I know it's very dense in a lot of things. I think, man, I think that's very subjective. But if if I'm going personally, I might get hate on this one, but trash. It's expensive, okay. isn't it? No. No? See? No, I, yeah. Super cheap. Super cheap because nobody, nobody eats it. I mean, very few people eat it except for liver kings. So I'm putting a disclaimer. <laughs> I mean, he, he's that... supporting the entire industry for liver right now. <laughs> I'm just putting a disclaimer that I don't eat it enough to have an opinion. So whatever I say here, I cannot be held accountable for. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, Duly noted. 
I know it's really got a lot of good shit, so maybe treasure. I, I just don't know. I don't know okay. enough about it. Kind, kind of on the fence. It keeps me from getting alcohol poisoning, so treasure. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Your own liver is, is a treasure. <laughs> John. Yeah, I would say that it is really high in protein, and it's supposed to have a lot of good nutrients for you, and it's relatively cheap, especially if you have, like, a local butcher shop and everything. And I think yeah. arguably in a culture that is built on overconsumption, but somehow wasting a lot of stuff as well. I think trying to emphasize more like a nose to tail diet, like I think it could help a lot of people, especially if you're looking for like yeah. affordable ways to get protein and stuff. Anytime meats like less than a few bucks a pound, like that's always good. I did I'm one time eat eight ounces of raw liver and it was possibly the hardest thing I've had to do. <laughs> It was really intense. So, so I mean, it's all in preparation. I think people don't understand how to cook cook liver. Like, I'm a big fan. Um, I love liver because, not, I mean, liver by itself is not always the best. I mean, you can't overcook it because if you, I mean, it's very easy to overcook. If you overcook it, it turns into kind of like the consistency of crumbly bubble gum. I hate. It's just disgusting. <laughs> but, 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 um, Braunschweiger is fucking amazing. Um, chicken liver pate. Uh, there's so many good kind of like pate style or sausage style dishes you could make with liver that are so so good. But it, you know, usually tends to be pretty high in fat. It's not something that I would probably introduce into a balanced diet, or at least not a lot of it. A little can go a long way, but the liver is so amazing. It it's a huge treasure to me. So. Um know what a pate is so <laughs> well you're gonna have to talk to ben donan when you're over there uh the french guy he'll explain it all to you because it's very very french pate is like pate is like really i mean it can come in a couple of different ways but think of like spam spam is basically pate it's really cheap meat that's like ground up and put into some kind of mold um with salt and fat and uh, but, you know, French usually do it a lot better. But, like, a chicken liver pate is, like, a really smooth, like, almost mousse. And so is, so is uh, Braunschweig. is basically a pate. Um, it's just, like, it's like meat. I don't know how to explain it. It's just, like, it's, like, super fine meat sausage. It's kind of like sausage. Meat mousse. Probably the best What's that? Meat mousse. Meat mousse. <laughs> I mean, that's really, I mean, Braunschweig and... And uh, chicken liver pate are almost like meat mousse. <laughs> They're delicious. You cannot you cannot go wrong, man. If you're ever traveling in Europe, uh, I'm sure you can find pate all over in, in the UK as well in the stores. So check it out, man. They make good. They make way better food over there than, than we have here. Yes. Um. Number five on the list is tuna fish casserole. Nick. Throw it in the trash. <laughs> trash junk. So I, I I do like tuna fish casserole, tuna sandwiches, everything. Like Andy doesn't like me cooking or microwaving any sort of tuna in the house. So when she goes out of town, I like to make like tuna melts and stuff because it's great. And the cats are really happy. We're all really happy. She comes home. The house smells terrible. I'm so disappointed in time. you, John. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> I like a casserole. <laughs> I think it's like growing up with like church food and everything. You get used that's to like not, very basic casseroles. You have to get a different name on your shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. 
Uh, yeah, I'm going with with trash. I mean, tuna fish like sandwiches cold. I don't mind. As soon as you cook it, man, like that is the most disgusting <laughs> trash. <laughs> and I don't like. I like food, man. Like I will eat almost anything. Tuna fish casserole. Just put it in the toilet. I'm. I will say I'm very picky with my fish because because I'm from Maryland, so I grew up on like good, fresh seafood yeah. and like. I don't even like canned tuna because it doesn't taste like the tuna I know. Like I sure. love tuna steak, like fresh. You know, we've we've had it like caught it out of the ocean, and then you you fillet the fish, and then you're dipping uh, raw, fresh. We you rinse it off, obviously, sure. into a sabi, and then just biting a chunk out of the. Oh, it's so good. Dude, there's nothing better than like fresh tuna and sashimi. I, mean, I used to work in restaurants and. I was a professional chef for like the first seven years of my adult life. And um, man, like cleaning up uh, fresh, fresh tuna, fresh salmon, um, like uh, cherry, um, I'm sorry. Um, now I'm blanking on the name, like the little baby clams, um, cherry stone clams, I think they're called. Yeah. Um, those, I mean, even like fresh, like good quality beef, just lob a knob off man a little bit of sea salt dude there's nothing better than that so i'm with you 100 percent, nick uh but i can actually eat a tuna fish sandwich i don't i don't mind it so much but i don't buy tuna i can tell you the last time i've eaten key tuna so um i think that that john you lose that round it's trash <laughs> <Two to one. laughs> all right next one uh peanut butter Oh, treasure. It tastes amazing for that principle alone. Absolute treasure. I can tell you how many times, like, on deployment, in the military, like, you just got nothing else, and you're just a house in, like, packaged peanut butter. Like, it, yes. it's going to look really provocative the way you do it, but, like... You... <laughs> I mean, it can't be worse than the shake weight. <laughs> Bingo. John, peanut I... butter also say it's a treasure it's a really fast snack if you don't have any like little packs of tuna the little starkest 50 cent it's good protein if you don't have that kind of snack around peanut butter is great and yeah man so life without peanut butter so is good. no life at all so unanimous treasure peanut butter take that atlas <laughs> <laughs> i heard i heard on the grapevine anyway that he didn't like peanut butter <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> Um, all right, some exercises. Uh, tricep kickbacks, Nick. That's yeah, <laughs> um, tells you how much I'm, I'm gonna say trash. I mean, I don't see, I just think there's way more useful tricep movements, extensions, push downs, overhead variations that are just way more. If you're talking in our sport. Um, in strongman um, and in powerlifting, even I just think there's way more useful tricep variations that are out there than a kickback. Plus, it's hard to do like you've got to put your arm on a on like a barbell and hang it to stabilize the elbow. To oh really... no, I think you're just supposed to like just hang and just do it. Like, yeah, nah, I'll fuck that up. <laughs> <laughs> like a reverse hand. Yeah, <laughs> John. Treasure, treasure. I when I first started lifting, that was like one of the accessories I would do. But I found I think 
like Nick said, there were so many things of like the Dick's press, like close grip binge, like different the, things. The Dick's press. Yeah, that little one. one the... <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Press is, you haven't. I, so it's the one where it like, goes back. I, and... <laughs> I couldn't leave that one alone. I have no idea what a Dick's press is. <laughs> Look it up. It's, it's a good little accessory. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. Uh... <laughs> So I would say probably there are better things you could do. So trash. You know? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Total trash. Um, I don't think like the only people that do try some kickbacks are like grandmas and nobody. So uh, definitely better movements for triceps than kickbacks. I don't even know why you would do that. I don't even know who invented it. Kind of a dumb movement. Um, next one, shadow boxing. Nick, in in like with what we do, or like <laughs> in general, just in general uh, exercise. for like sport, that's a complete waste of time. Because like, unless you're learning cadence and rhythm, like it, it's trash. Unless you're actually like your focus is boxing. Okay, John. So I'd say that if you have like I have the Tiger or Final Countdown playing in the background, like I think I think it could get a pass. Like just that kind of like that guy in the corner of the gym who's just like just blasting '80s tunes, like shadow boxing, getting ready to like deadlift 225 with terrible form. Like there's something to it. There's like a charm there. It's a pocket <laughs> treasure. Treasure. I mean, everyone. Uh, from the co the comedic sense, I mean, shadow boxing is pretty funny, and, and has provided us with countless hours of of entertainment. But I think it's total trash for anything. Um, I don't know why you would shadow box um, to go like most gyms nowadays that I nowadays have some form of boxing uh, boxing bags or something. I mean, go to a boxing gym and punch a bag, man. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, I think that was two trashes to maybe one sort of treasure. <laughs> Trash and a sort of treasure. And a sort of treasure for the romantic, the romanticized <laughs> value. It's true, like in an ideal world, like that, like ideal scenario. You're like, there's something, something poetic about that. Something the poetic value is a pocket treasure. Okay, moving on. Zercher, Nick, don't get this wrong. I think it's a treasure. I think uh, in its, I mean, just picking, I mean, look at the way we pick. I grew up on a farm. I wish I knew how to zercher two decades ago because it'll probably save me a lot of trouble and a lot of stupidity. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think it's the holy grail of variations, but I do think it is a treasure, and I think it's something that you – especially in our sport, need to have in your arsenal. Definitely. John? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a total treasure. Like, it's literally no, treasure. No for yeah, it's a, I mean, I would think more people could do the deadlift from the floor. That would be nice to see out there. But I get that people need to just squat it, like, deadlift it to the lap and everything. I can appreciate that. I think Mobility. just overall just great activation for the body. And people always say that it's not functional. But if you've ever had to, like, pick up a dog or a pig or something like that's the exact movement you're doing. So I think it's pretty functional. Also, uh -huh. it's fun. Yeah. 
There you go. Um, yeah, so John John's quoted me. My my kind of thought is if the deadlift is the king of deadlifts, I think the Zercher is the immortal emperor. I, I think it's like the greatest thing since sliced bread. <laughs> okay. I love it. I mean, I just think it's brutal. That's what yes. I like about it. I mean, I, I don't I don't like it so much for the functional aspect, because for me, like the vast majority of things that I do in the gym there's like no point to any of it. Like uh, I'm never going to pick up 800 pounds outside of the gym for any yeah. reason. Um, I won't, I won't Zercher 500 for any reason. I just love it for like the mental brutal brutality of it. Um, just something that like is, is next level difficult um, from a mind over matter, you know, pain tolerance uh, kind of persistence uh, perspective. So, I, I love Zerchers, man. I, I don't know that everybody should do them, but I I love them to death. So <laughs> huge treasure for me. Yep, I'm a fan. So so okay, unanimous Zerchers. I mean, definitely in strong man. I think they have a lot of carryover actually to um, Atlas Stones. If anything, um, yeah. I think they're they're huge on getting that big front load, especially with a big extension. Um, huge, huge for for. Atlas stones, in my opinion. So last one, bonus. And it's kind of back to food, beverage, bourbon, Nick. Treasure. John? I I used to appreciate it and everything. I don't I don't you drink, drink anymore. So I, I I I it's it's in that poetic sense of like it's so it's poetic. The, the guy I'm who drinking, drinks shadow I'm drinking a little bourbon, so that's my yeah. answer. <laughs> We're American. There's no, more American. America. There's, there's no other option. I'm like, I'm really crazy too. Like, I like some of the other bourbons, but like, I'm kind of weird. I like to only buy Kentucky bourbons. Um, I'm sort of a purist at this point for no other reason than that's where it came from. And that's very American to me. So, fuck yeah. I'm not super Bourbon picky. is a huge treasure. I've been really very American. Lately. What's that? I've been really enjoying. I've been on like a Buffalo Trace kick lately. Yes, dude. I mean, Buffalo Trace is for like under thirty dollars. It's an amazing bottle of yep. bourbon. I mean, uh, you can't you can't go wrong. I mean, it's it's Pappy's little little brother, man. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, dude, I was on one too until until they sold all out and I can't get it anymore. I've been actually, I've been on a kick of infusing. Um, Mostly wild turkey 101 with various Christmas spices since it is still winter. So that's been my thing because it's so delicious. But, John, I'm going to kick it over to you. That was fun. That was a great conversation, man. Thanks for doing that with us, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was the best one yet, honestly. <laughs> um, I'm going to kick it over to you, John, to kick it off and, like, uh, Ask some Nick some questions and let's hear about Nick. Yeah. That's what you're here for. I would say that Trash or Treasure was partially inspired thanks for the suggestion, Mark. He talked about it. So that was good. But yeah, um, I had a lot of interesting thoughts to ask you and everything. But um, one of the biggest ones was how did you originally get connected to like Brian Alsrew and like Juji and them like how did what what led to all those events man my that's a giant accident um 
I mean, I found Strongman by accident. Like, it just, uh, but Brian, um, so we're all from the same county, Carroll County, um, out here in Maryland. And uh, Brian was actually had a mutual friend. It was basically the guy was like, hey, there's a strong kid, you know, out here. You should come check him out. He'd be a good fit for Never State. I didn't even know Never State existed, and it's two miles from the house. Um, it's on a 19-acre farm property. And um, so Brian came out, introduced me, and the first interaction I had with Brian, I was working up to a max deadlift. Um, and uh, I'd never even tried to pull over 500 pounds because I didn't have a reason to. So I was just like, he's like, what are you playing a pool? And I was like, 500? I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And, um, he's like, okay, well let's open it that if you know, you can get it. I was like, all right. So I pulled it and then he goes, go five twenty five, go five fifty five, And I smoked all three attempts. And I was like, who are you? Like, how did you, and, uh, he really, uh, took me under his wing and, and taught me a lot of the stuff, like gave me my foundation of, of programming and, and having a coach. Like it, it really kind of opened my eyes, uh, to, uh, what, um, giant set training is and having a real work capacity foundation. Um, and, uh, Juji, uh, he, as you know, Brian and I were on YouTube at the time and, uh, we had another guy, um, that was just getting in the YouTube game. Joe sat Mary coach, coach sat, sat strength. Um, I'm sure you guys have seen his stuff at some point. Uh, great dude. Um, love him to death. And, uh, we all kind of Juji came up uh, to do strongman, and um, that's we all kind of introduced him into strongman, and uh, then he invited us down and we did some strongman stuff. Um, it wasn't until like the third collab with Juji that he taught us to flip, and I was the first one to land it. Just saying, um, um, but Brian being a two hundred seventy-five pound human plummeting like five and a half foot up in the air uh was pretty wild thing to see it almost 300 pound human do um and yeah it just it just kind of happened um brian was pushing really hard to youtube at the time i was pushing um and and sat that strength he's he's still climbing um he's still doing great things with youtube um so it, it all just it just kind of happened like um it wasn't as ad backed platformy as it is now. Um, so it was a little easier for, um, for things to go viral then and stuff. And it wasn't that long ago. It's just all moving that fast now. Um, and, uh, there were a lot more, the presence of who's who and who's really putting out, uh, tangible things was not as saturated. Like you had Mark Bell, you had Alan Thrall, you had, uh, I think Brian was just getting wound up. Uh, Shaw was just getting wound up at the time. And um, yeah, Brian Alzrew, and he'd been doing it since like T Nation, um, which was before my time. And uh, we had a very interesting dynamic there. Never State. We had Andy Shadio, who we call him Dirty Andy. Uh, that's Brian Shaw's corner man. So that led to us going out to Colorado and training with Brian Shaw. Um, one of our guys is a uh a fucking zookeeper with gorillas and like uh and then we had olu uh nigeria's strongest man competed at the botswana uh world's strongest man um representing nigeria like it was just a very it was like this perfect storm that nobody knew about and it was fucking awesome 
And uh, yeah, like uh, I learned a circus dumbbell on Mike Jenkins's rogue dumbbell. He set the world record on. So like that, that's kind of cool. That all connected. Like it, it's just uh, Carroll County's weird, man. Like there's something going on out here. Yeah, no, that's, that's really that's to hear. Yeah, and it's it's weird because you it's you're right that it wasn't that far long ago. Like 2017 was like this weird golden era of YouTube where you just had everyone doing these things. There was no yeah. real like structure to things. There wasn't this like mathematically programmed with like do this kind of thumbnail, do this, post at this time. It was like, hey, we're all just hanging out. And you'd had YouTubers who were like big hanging out with everyone else, like. It's interesting to just think about that of like, yeah, that it wasn't that long ago that like five years ago, the internet was a different place than it is now. Yep. And now it's, I think it's, yeah. It's absolutely wild. Um, like uh, I started at this little gym called Muscle Mind. They introduced me to Strongman. And then Brian, about a year or two later, really, he opened my eyes. Uh, he, Got me to my first national title. Got me to the Arnold. I was competing 231s at like 185 pounds. Um, I got a mistake for 175. Uh, and, um, you know, I was training there for my first official strongman games, misponing by point. Like he, Brian really um, um, laid my foundation for what I've done to where I've gotten to today. So I'm very grateful for that time. Yeah, I think it was like a really neat era within things. Also, yeah. I had to, before I forget, there was there was like a meme question someone asked me to ask you. They said, if if you have to go to like get your chest waxed, do you prefer like a studio or just Atlas Stones with Tacky, like OSG? Atlas Stones with Tacky. <laughs> yeah, um, everyone was talking about yeah. it. They're like, that looks so painful, just That's losing chunks. Only time I've ever had a chest waxing. That's crazy. <laughs> you probably don't even feel it in the heat of the moment anyway, right? No, it, but when you feel it is when you get in the shower. Right. And then it's burning and it's still bleeding a little bit. Like, Oh, yeah. Man, I don't... Yeah. I don't miss that. I don't miss that very much. Like, I used to do everything bare sleeve, like no sleeves, no shirt. That's how I broke out in Strongman. And, I mean, it was the worst, like, cleaning it off later with, like, WD-40 and, like, this bleeding wound and, like, going home and showering. Yeah. Uh, I just don't uh, like between me and the stone like you look when a guy wears a shirt on stones yeah you suck for about 20 minutes after that but like you see guys shirts ripping you see when they go to load it you see the shirt sliding and pulling down like i'd rather lose skin and have it stay no that's yeah, that'd be fair enough i guess why a lot of people do it i mean you're exactly yep. right because i mean i've had shirts ripped you know, I usually uh, tie my shirts down so they don't. But, yeah, you put tacky, enough tacky on, especially, like, spider tacky. Um, yeah, I mean, shirts rip all the time. And, I mean, ultimately, you end up skin to skin anyway. But yeah. I'm just I'm just a pussy, Nick. I don't like <laughs> I don't like losing skin anymore. Do you got I lost so much skin. The first generation. <laughs> Do you guys remember, like, the first gen Under Armour shorts that were, like, super stretchy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I wore that in my first strongman contest, and uh, I wore a shirt. And uh, the shirt wasn't the issue. The super stretchy Under Armour shorts were sticking to the stone all the way over the bar. <laughs> and, like, Dude, there's I a picture 
low angle and it's like the most epic bat wing and like you can see like doing to my nuts it's like like it it, it's a very graphic photo there's a lot going on that's awesome man uh that same thing happened to be at 2017 uss nationals year that uh jeff won um and uh dude the same thing i was actually wearing like adidas shorts or something like basketball shorts the stupidest like like novice amateur mistake ever like i've got a picture too like i've got the stone and i just i couldn't get it just like that inch because my my shorts were stuck so hard to the to the stone like all the way up to the barn i'm like i can't go any higher because my shorts are like pulling me down <laughs> yeah that's the worst those learning experience man they suck while they're happening but boy are they fun to look back at yeah no kidding, man. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you got to make mistakes to get better. And obviously, I mean, you've, I'm sure you've made a lot of mistakes and learned from them. You wouldn't be where you are now if that wasn't the case. So you can't win if you don't fail. What's that? You can't win if you don't fail. That's right. That's right, man. I always tell, I say, everybody, you got to, you got to lose a few times before you can win. It's, yeah. It's kind of the, kind of the way it is. I mean, anybody that gets into the sport, if they're scared of losing, like, well, you're not going to win then. Like if, if, if you, if you can't go to a competition without winning, like you're never going to probably win. <laughs> I mean, there's those yeah. freaks out there, of course, that, you know, come out of nowhere and are just amazing, amazing athletes. But I mean, eventually mm-hmm. they start losing too. I mean, the higher up you go, the more you lose, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially in a sport where there's so many variables, changing events, people coming and going all the time. Like it's, like I hate losing, but I know it's a possibility sure. and it's not always going to be within my control. Like sometimes like someone's mm-hmm. going to be, have a better event or, or they're going to be, they, they're just stronger. Right. So like I accept that it's a possibility. doesn't make me hate it any less, but I'm, you know, I, I'm going to run when I'm wrong and till the wheels fucking fall off. So. Yeah. And that's all you can do. That's all yeah. you can do, man. So, um, so the next show is it's looking like it's chaos, correct? Yep, yep that's my next um, one. So how's the I mean, dude, the the athlete roster is pretty insane. I mean, you've got guys coming up. I mean, Ben Donan's coming up from the eighties, Tyler Young's dropping down. Um, you got people like John Hack showing mm-hmm. up, uh, out of kind of at you know, an amazingly strong power lifter um how are how are you feeling going into this competition i mean how's training going i mean what's uh i mean obviously the goals goals to win but um, give us uh, kind of some ideas of of what what's going on in, in your head and your plans to go against this absolutely insane field of competitors you know we're we're i'm excited first of all um you know, we got two one of fives coming down, and, and Tyler was a, a very accomplished ninety kilo before he moved up to one of five. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, like, I know that's not going to be an issue for him. Uh, I'm super excited to see how Matt McKeegan handles this cut because, like, that's going to be probably one of the biggest cuts we've seen in a long time, um, and he's good at it. And uh, so, the, I'm I'm enjoying the process of seeing someone do that uh, because I see so many people bitch about you know. 10, 15 pound cuts. Like, yeah, it sucks. We know. Like, it's, it sucks. 
Um, but training, man, we, we've, uh, I had that back injury. I had to drop out of my own clash, uh, two weeks out. I, I re-crunched my L5 S1, uh, my last deadlift session. Um, and, uh, first contest I ever had to drop out of. Um, so I was gutted and it was the first 90. I wanted to be a part of it for clash and, uh, just sucked. Um, so then we went scrambled and went right into a rehab to get ready for OSG and still going in. My deadlift was probably my weakest event. I only got like four reps at six ten, Um, and it is what it is, but I didn't get hurt in it. My back was still good. It was healthy. And I knew when to, to hit the brakes on that and, and walk away with what I had. So, um, so that's going to be a big focus is we're really, um, tuning up, focusing down on assistance movements on deadlift to uh, keep the risk low this early on and really just bulletproof my lower back, my hamstrings, um, doing a lot of knee health work, um, a lot of pauses and squats all the way at the bottom, um, a lot of a lot of volume. Uh, my coach, Max McCall, he's been great, very responsive to any sort of pain or anything. And I've been getting, uh, once we got transitioned from push press on the Viking back into push jerking. That's when I started getting the knee pain and, uh, we just kind of revamped, uh, my training and, uh, we're really focusing on my static strength because I show up on carries, um, and making sure at this point in time, everything is pain free. And we're really building the small stuff around the main movers to, uh, kind of come into July. Uh, I feel like a, a whole nother, bring a whole nother gear in my static game. Um, because I know, you know, you got, uh, Shane, uh, with MST, uh, static animal, right. Um, CJ's really stepping up his static stuff. Um, a lot of the European guys are just statically really fucking strong. So, um, I know that I'm more than capable in anything moving and, and speed wise. So, uh, uh, we've done our homework. We, we have a game plan and, uh, I'm, fucking excited uh to really you know be healthy and i haven't posted anything in like four weeks just i haven't felt like it um and uh we're kind of hitting the reset button with the training and uh i just didn't care to show some of the homework i was doing because it it's nothing glamorous it's nothing it's it's, you know lots of leg extensions pauses um uh, a lot of time on the airsoft bike, getting my knees warmed up. Like it's, it's nothing. There's, I'm just happy to be in the gym and super focused on, on the homework right now and, uh, getting the pieces together. So, um, when it comes time for full blown prep, like we're firing on all cylinders and I can give these guys everything I got. Yeah. I think, I mean, <clears throat> the glamour's really built in all that unglamorous, movement anyway right i mean that's where i mean you're a very accomplished and experienced athlete now i mean you know mac the guys that are maxing out every day and pushing themselves to the to the limit are going to be it's going to be harder for them to bring it on game day than somebody who's physically uh you know prehabbed rehabbed um like you call it doing their homework and being ready for for that um i mean that's where the magic really happens i mean it's uh it's a long it, it took me a long time to learn that but <laughs> yeah um going in going into this i mean who if anybody who 
how do I want to say this? I, I, I doubt you're scared of anybody, but who's uh, who do you think is maybe the biggest competition coming in there? I mean, there's again, <laughs> it's probably hard to choose, but um, Joe, Joe and I had this conversation, and like, I'd be talking out of my ass if if I could pinpoint any one person. Uh, obviously, you know, you got the one of fives coming down. They're they're bigger, they're stronger, they're going to be a problem. Um, but I don't think there's anyone you can count out. I mean, it showed like from first at OSG from first to fucking what seventh place was separated by four points. Like you just, it can go, all it takes is one little mistake and it's going to throw a wrench into everything. Um, so man, it's just, uh, I wholeheartedly believe I'd be talking out of my ass if, if I feel one person is more of a threat than another, um, you know, uh, at OSG, I didn't, I didn't really know. I knew Tyler had a great season, but I, I never met him. Um, so, and I'm not someone that constantly looks and see who's doing what, um, because then I was focused on my own shit. Um, and but, you're referring to Tyler Davis, obviously, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tyler Davis. Yeah. yeah like, um, and I'm just saying, like, I didn't really know him before that, but I'd seen, you know, he did well at Clash. He did. Uh, he won uh, the World Ultimate Strongman Show in uh, Paris. In Paris. Uh, and then you had uh, McNamee. Um, I mean, as someone who I, I won the Farmers at OSG at one point, um, I played second in the yoke uh, to see a guy like McNamee come out there and just turn on the gas on both the Farmers and, and the yoke, like, it was an incredible scene. And you got Derek Owens, who is, uh, you know, a consistent guy and someone I, frankly, I love competing against because he's a fucking sweetheart. Um, and uh, CJ, uh, CJ, you know, his weak link for a long time is the deadlift. And he looks like he has really been doing his work on that deadlift. So, um, as everyone knows, one of the best pressers in the 90s right now, um, Nadimu, uh, game day dude, uh, CrossFit team, CrossFit games athlete, like just knows how to wake up and turn on and, and deliver a solid performance. Uh, uh, I'm probably missing names. I mean, Nick O'Hare, um, I know he didn't have the performance uh, anyone expected and, or he wanted at OSG, but um, he's a nose to the grinder kind of guy. So I would not let his performance at OSG dictate what we should expect from him moving forward. Um, but he's also had a history of, of doing very well at OSG. So, yeah. you know, I mean, um, that can that's always the threat. Yeah, you can't you can't um, you can't base someone you know their next contest based on the last perf- one bad performance. So a lot of these sure. guys, you know, they every one of us has had a contest we definitely feel like we could have done better on or we're embarrassed about, but. Um, that's what makes us work hard. And I think that's why the people that are going are going and, um, you know, Ben Donan just put up a 231 pound dumbbell, um, and set the world record for the 80 kilo. Uh, that's a huge dumbbell. Um, so, and that's a lot. I mean, like you said, when I did the 252 pound dumbbell, it like, there's a lot of one of five guys that can't hit that. You know, there's a lot of 90 guys that can't hit 230 pound dumbbell. Like it's, it's a very technically, sound lift and if the littlest things off like bar path is perfect yeah. it doesn't go right. um 
So just by that alone, that tells me he's an attention to detail guy because the circus dumbbell is a hard record to get uh, just by the nature of that lift. Um, and I, I didn't pay too much attention at OC because I was focused on competing, but I think he had a pretty consistent performance across the board. I don't think he really fell in a hole anywhere. Um, so he's going to be putting on weight and he's, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be epic to watch. It's going to be exciting. Uh, like if you do not want to miss this, uh, as a viewer, um, it's going to be so close. Uh, 90 kilo. I don't care what anybody says. 90 kilo was the class to watch at this OSG. It was so fucking competitive. Um, and 90 kilo the, over the past three years between 2019, 20, there was no 2020, um, 2021 and this year, I mean, the bar just went bink, bink, bink. And it, and chaos is like putting the icing on the cake as far as um, how this progression has been going. So, man, it's, I can't pick, I can't pick a person. Like I'd be, I'd feel kind of shitty kind of doing it because I genuinely don't know. Like it could be fucking anyone. There's so many threats and so many events. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, that's a, that's a loaded question. I think, you know, I kind of feel like we asked Luke Davies when we had him on something similar. And, and the, the conversation goes the same with everybody. It's, it's hard, man. When you're in this kind of field of, of competitors, um, I mean, this is the best of the best from the world right here. Uh, and I'm, I know I'm super excited to see it. And, and I'll, be, I'll be the first to admit it that this is, you know, I mean, I watched the under 90 uh, France. Uh, I was on I was at SCL with Tyler Davis uh, podium there um, and watched OSG, but uh, I don't think I've ever looked to forward to an under 90 competition as much as this one. And, you know, Me being either. such capable and passionate hands as Luke Davies, um, I mean, this is definitely going to be a show to watch. Yeah. And can't be more excited and like at the end of the day we're all very competitive and we're gonna be bummed if we didn't win that's just how it goes at this level but anyone whether you finish i don't care if you finish last at this show the fact that you were on the the roster is a statement yeah. at this point you were revered as one of the best in the world at this weight division so absolutely luke davies has set a standard uh, with this uh, and really gotten some people's attention of, okay, these, you know, he, he took the heat of inviting who he felt should be there and then took suggestions. So, I mean, that was a ballsy thing on his end he, and, you know, he's no, he pays attention to the sport. So I think even that decision was in very good hands and um, it wasn't hard because he paid attention at OSG and saw like how close we were top to bottom and, um, I'm very excited to see the show. I'm excited to help promote this. Um, uh, and I really hope, you know, my fellow competitors really do uh, the justice in, in getting this promoted. And um, the bigger the show is, uh, like I said to Joe, uh, the sport of weight class strongman is purely in the hands of the community. Yeah. So, I think yeah, that's a good point. Of that's what I was interested about with your interview with Joe when you said like the importance of having that strategy of thinking twelve weeks out you want to start posting more regularly you want to keep mm -hmm. 
the audience updated and engaged about it because at the end of the day, a lot of people pay a lot for like marketing and stuff where like you can do really organic marketing through online and that social media. I think a part of it, I mean, I've, I've experienced it of like, it's weird being on camera and you, it's sometimes you can be really critical of yourself, but in this day and age when, I mean, the algorithm is just rewarding quantity over quality. A lot of times, like keep putting stuff out there. It's the same way of like, it's interesting because I think many people, if you approach social media, the same way you approach training, you think you just keep doing it. You wouldn't just like, Oh, just try a lift once. And you're like, well, that didn't go well. Like I didn't feel good about it. So I'm just not doing it again. You would just keep doing. And I think that was an interesting point you brought up of the importance of like, people want to know more about the athletes. So Darren's talked about like one thing that's underrated on the live streams is like hearing the athletes perspectives of like, it was interesting watching OSG and then Martin's his cameraman, uh, Romark, like miking up the athletes and hearing those exchanges and stuff like the importance there. So I was where I was going with this is does most of your ideas about the marketing and stuff there, has it come from, research personal experience or have you like done some marketing courses or anything like uh both um the marketing courses were were honestly uh pretty limited um and it was just paying attention like the the paper trails the trail's been made right we've seen what can work and what doesn't work and it, it works the biggest problem is people trying to make it like the secret science and it's really not like you either have ad you have money back content and it gets bigger reach and, and engagement because it is being paid to basically be available at a much more higher rate in front of people's eyes you're you're paying for priority like just like you would for first class right and then you have organic content and everybody talks algorithm this that and the other and it is a thing and it's going to cater to the people that are posting. I, I've tested it, right? Like I have a TikTok, and I posted regularly. And with a very small audience, I was getting the several, like when I first started with like 30 followers and I was posting regularly, like every day I was getting between 700 and a thousand something views. And then I stopped for like two weeks and then posted one. It got like 20 views. So like it, and I, and I did that on a cycle just to see what would happen. And it like TikTok and reels operate the same because reels is developed to be the answer for TikTok. Um, so it, part of it is trial and error. Part of it is I, I've done some courses uh, and part of it is knowing and understanding the sport, right. And, and seeing what people are doing and you can put two and two together and, and why certain things um, I've been on, I've been on the front line of it all. Um, I've done, done it for a couple companies uh, in the past and, um, I've seen, I've, I've had the ability, had the ability to try and fail and, and try and succeed and, and kind of develop the strategies basically know it's going to change. No, it's not going to be no, nothing is guaranteed, but there is a trail and a path and framework to get more engagement, get get your content out there more regularly. So um, it just takes work. It takes ass time in a chair. It takes paying attention to your analytics. And the only ones 
I would say for people trying to learn where to start, just pay attention to your peak times, pay attention to your demographic, um, and know your time zone. So you know how to hit your peak time the most and where your demographic is in relation to where you live and where you're posting and then, uh, go from there. So that's how I would, uh, explain that the best, um, is peak times and uh, yeah, your demographics. So, you know, how you can double up peak times across a couple different time zones. I think that's super important, especially now. I think oftentimes there's the sense that I got now other people I talk to the sense of like, maybe you've missed the boat to like get noticed or like maybe the attention just might not be there. But I think a friend of the show, Mark is a great example of someone who a little over a year ago had 71 followers on Instagram and now has 20,500 so, which is insane. And 10,000 of them came from like last month. And that part of it is that consistency of like, his audience definitely is different, but I think that consistency and that engagement rather than, I think sometimes people, if you, if you get that post that got 20 views, it's easy to just give up then. And I think oftentimes people need to realize that like, it's kind of a cycle of like, if you don't promote, if people don't promote the shows, well, it doesn't get nearly the level of engagement, which then just hurts things in general. So I think that's a very important to think like we're seven months out and people are already really hyping this show up, which is huge. People are already doing their part and that's really good to see. Yeah. Like the athletes, like just the simple thing of being able to get someone's name on the back of the shirt, like those little things to help grow the sport are really important. So I was just impressed overall by your knowledge about that. And just like you were saying, like treating it like a job rather than necessarily kind of taking it either too personally and not doing it or Mm -hmm. just not always doing it because it is that free resource. So people do want to see what you're doing out there and that engagement of like, at the end of the day, this is for the athletes. And I think oftentimes like people can benefit from getting noticed like that. So what kind of advice would you give overall to like people who are either trying to qualify for this show or trying to help promote this show, like your fellow athletes or yeah. What advice do I give people to qualify? Um, yeah. What's the, is there like a set qualification? Uh, there are some qu- uh, online qualifier, like four events or something, maybe five. Um, there's well, like moving. Give it a crack. I mean, the worst thing that can happen is you don't qualify and then you're back where you started. Literally have nothing to lose. Um, why not? Um, my fellow athletes leading up to this show, um, I think I said it before and I'll say it again. We all have a responsibility to really um, make sure we're getting out the info on where it will be streamed and whatnot, um, where, you know, what, where to, you know, Derek was helping with the production of the shirts and stuff um, and getting that information out there and just making sure the information is in constant flow. Um, and it's, it's all out there in front of everyone's eyes consistently and just being pumped at, uh, you know, we have, I don't know how many athletes total now, um, but there's no reason why it can't be, you know, two or three times a week between all of us. Like it can't, it can't be in people's faces. So um, I think it's a really easy thing to do, a bare minimum thing to do. 
and as something we have as a responsibility as athletes to promote ourselves. You know, we don't, we're not the heavyweights. We don't have IGM backing our production. And IGM is a powerhouse um, uh, production media company, right? So they have the infrastructure. You know, they got things like Monster Jam going on. We don't have that. We are doing it ourselves. We're on the front lines and we're the tip of the spear. And it totally falls in our laps to really make sure, you know, this goes. So I don't care if it's them recording a video of them talking about it, what's going on. I don't care if it's a picture. I don't care if it's a highly edited video shot on a $5,000 camera. It doesn't matter. Um, get the content out there. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be fancy. It just has to be out there. You have an audience. People are going to listen. They already listen to your sloppy ass content. If that's how you make it right. They already miss <laughs> listen to your polished content. If that's how you make it. And that polished content didn't start out polished. It started out sloppy. I know. So yeah, I did. And, it is. And yeah. tag us. We will share. Yeah. I mean, John, myself, NWSO, Tag us, we'll share everything. I mean, you know, um, it's exposure. I mean, yeah. we're we're glad to help. We want to help. Um, we're very excited uh, for for chaos. We're excited to help Luke Davies and all the athletes um, by all means. So we're here to help. <laughs> yeah, I think Matt, that's... I'm gonna die, <laughs> Nick. I went duck. <laughs> um yeah trying to get your phone charged uh, it's my uh my ipad Shit. oh yeah no i think that's the main thing is for people to just like that consistency i think anything takes practice and oftentimes it can be can be discouraging if you're not getting as much interaction but also i would say advocate for like audience members and stuff who, if you're a fan of these shows, things you can do that are free of liking things, sharing things, save people's posts, so we, like save the dates for these things and stuff. Sorry for ruining the podcast. Oh, no. No. I, I don't think uh, most of our platforms, people can see other recording anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> only YouTube, I think. And I don't know, John. Is any Spotify can- part-time does it, apparently. You Spotify, can choose Spotify. to like watch it's always hard because some people ask me they're like i can always tell who watches youtube because they're like the production quality has gone up whereas if they just listen to the audio a lot of times they're like maybe it's better i can't tell and i'm like okay (laughs) but we're definitely trying to update things here because i think that is a hard thing here's a little easter egg for anyone who gets this far in the episode i usually weigh about like 195 pounds ish i have a size 48 metal jack the multiply deadlift suit. If you message the channel or me, I'll mail it out to you for free. It's just like a gift. It's a nice deadlift suit. I've worn it like five times. It's a nice little giveaway. And if everyone gets to this part, we know how many people actually make it. What were you going to say? Well, we know, we know how many people that are your size make it. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Some people might do it as a gift, a free deadlift suit in the mail. You can I mean, hey, you can turn around and sell it on Craigslist for a hundred bucks, probably. Easy. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know how yeah. much you use metal suit is worth. <laughs> <laughs> I broke that, down a guy for 2021, got to use it. I got to use it once. And then 
they outlawed it in this past OSG, which is fine. The only reason I was bummed is I was like, oh, like, now it just sits. Like, I'm I'm neither here nor there on Equipped. If it's allowed, I'm going to do it. If it's not allowed, I'm not going to do it. I, I, I don't care. I don't do most yeah. of my dude anyway, so um, I only relearn it right before. Yeah, I'm the same way. I actually prefer, like, less equipment because there's less stuff that I have to haul around the world. <laughs> <Bingo>. <laughs> So, so I just don't allow it. That's just better for, for me and for everybody. Less stuff that I have to worry about training in and, you know, and being uncomfortable and everything else. So. <laughs> the one thing I like about SCL, they're all about, like, minimal, minimal equipment, right? It, it, they're kind of weird, though. They let you, you can only wear, like, one sleeve on one arm. But you can wear both knee sleeves, but. <laughs> huh. It's because it, I mean their theory is yeah. is that 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 neoprene sleeves are for injuries, not for support. And I mean they kind of have a point. At least they have like a valid reason for why they don't do it. But yeah, um, I'm all about less. Less is more, man. No, I think that's key of like that minimalist of like. I think I'm it not, helps with the overall approach. I'm not gonna leave pounds out there and give someone else an advantage. I'm too competitive for that shit. Well, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if it's yeah. a, it's allowed, I'm gonna bring it. I'm gonna bring everything at my disposal. I hate I hate grip shirts. I like literally, I hate cleaning a log with a with a grip shirt. But I know that it's a lot easier. <laughs> so I, if I, it's allowed, I'm gonna wear it. <laughs> like I never trained with one. If if you know how to wear a belt, you don't need a grip shirt. I'm just exactly. Gonna say. I've never needed a grip shirt. As a matter of fact, like when I put a grip shirt on, my clean is so efficient that I usually try almost take my head off the first time I clean with a grip shirt because it moves so damn fast. I'm like, I've never expected. Yeah, yeah. I've never, never had an issue cleaning, so I, I've never. And plus, what's your advice for the belt? What's what's the best way to do a belt so you don't so the clean's easier? Um, I mean, if you especially if you have a prong belt. Like you can basically turn that bitch into a forklift. Yeah, <laughs> he knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, you just you basically build a shelf. So you're not supposed to build a shelf, right? A lot of rules say you can't put a towel because, like in the old days, guys would tuck a towel into their belts to to build up their belt to ramp um, bars and blocks and stuff off of. But with a prong belt, you can just loop it out more, right? And it and, has like this tongue, and the log yeah. sits. It's like a U shape. Catapult it off your belt. I mean, I've been doing that for years. I mean, even with an SBD is enough for me. If you're lean enough in the lower weight classes, you don't have a power belly, so your belt sticks out a little bit anyway. I mean, especially with with a soft belt underneath of it, that's plenty plenty uh, build up to launch a log off of. Yes. Yeah, it's I, I I never I've done it. Um, in training i've never used it in contests because i don't sit with the log in the bottom i am a very explosive human like i stand all the way up get my breath and rebound out of the hole and fire it up yeah. I, I use that tension right and uh that rebound reflex whatever you want to call it scientifically um that's how i clean the log uh so that's never been a make it or break it for me belt or no belt i actually clean better without a belt but i press you know, when it gets heavy, having that belt to really brace down under heavy sure. logger helps. But um, 
I'm someone who wears my belt a little bit loose on overhead because I like to have that clean uh, mobility. I actually started wearing, um, I wear an SVD leather belt, um, but actually now on my log specifically, um, I wear a softy. And then I have one of those light rogue uh, soft belts on the outside because oh, I can nice. get it tighter mm -hmm. and still move on the clean like I like to move. And then when I'm upright and rigid, I can brace into that tightness like I would with a hard belt. And now it's not as rigid, but sure. I don't like being too tight because then, you know, the room starts getting smaller. So uh, <laughs> yeah, just I'm the thing. The, the older I get, actually, the less support that I'm wearing because it, it's so restrictive, so constrictive and restrictive. Um, man, I feel so much better training without. And like I keep telling you guys, this: if you if you learn to clean properly, you don't need all that equipment. If you learn to lift properly, and period, yeah. you don't need all that equipment. Starman gets so reliant on on support equipment that it, it gets. I mean. I mean, now we're using grip shirts because people suck at cleaning, apparently. Just learn how to do it. You don't need the grip shirt. And, you know, if they're allowed, go and use them. But, I mean, seeing so many people training in grip shirts these days, like, you're doing yourself a disservice. Well, it's because they're learning from people that are teaching them to do it in a grip shirt, which I think is a yeah. huge fault uh, into that that competitors. Because I didn't learn I, – I didn't even know what a belt clean was for probably – my first two or three years within the sport um i was you know i cleaned i i'll belt clean now because it's fucking allowed i'm not gonna it makes it way easier i'm not gonna shoot myself out of those points um but i don't stress when a belt clean is not allowed like yeah it learn to it, clean uh, yeah learn learn to clean it learn to get way the fuck back here because we don't have a belly like and know it's gonna suck and just get it off there as fast as possible. Like, just keep it moving. Yep, exactly. That's the that's the greatest advice to anybody. Just learn to do the movements and stop relying on so much equipment. You're going to be yep. so much better off, um, more versatile as an athlete, um, and more prepared in the long run. But, hey, guys, we're getting up to uh, onto a minute and 10, or an hour and 10 minutes, rather. We're getting a little long, so let's close it up. Uh, Nick, any closing thoughts? How can people find you on the socials? Um, anything else you want to, any other parting words? Yeah. Um, uncle.nick, that's N-I-C, no K. Uh, uncle.nick on both Instagram, TikTok. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I got some stuff coming. Uh, some I've been working on that I really, you know, put, uh, my creative heart and soul into, uh, that I'm really excited to bring to the table uh, within the year. So, um, like I said, I, I, I may or may not have created my own uh, pirate flag. So I've been getting asked a lot where they can get the Uncle Nick hat. This is a hat that I have found that I don't tell people where I get it because I don't want them making all the money that I bring for their business. So I decided to make my own that um, people can get with, uh, something that I put a lot of with my knowledge of pirate history and my passion into designing every part of it has a has a thought and a reason. So I'm really excited to bring it on uh, within the coming year and go out, support these athletes, tune into the live streams. Even if you can't watch it, like just tune into it and let that shit play like you're, you're helping. You're part of the growth of the sport, even if you're just a viewer. Um, 
because if you aren't watching, we're not growing. So, um, yeah, that's just tune in. Like, it's what, nine bucks? That's awesome. Yeah, we will, uh, we'll spread the word too. Um, we'll get the word out. It was a pleasure having you on, Nick. I mean, seriously, this was a great episode. Loved it. Um, hope we can do it again in the future. Slow uh, down. Good luck to you. Good luck to you in your training. Uh, after chaos and, and, you know, with all of your other, uh, ventures you got going on, man. I'm all over the Good place. Having you. All right, man. Yeah. Guys. Thanks for stopping by. Support us on Patreon or Anchor and find us on Instagram or Facebook.